It's Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and this is the New Hampshire News Recap. Let's get into this week's top headlines. Campaign season is underway in New Hampshire as candidates continue to file for federal, state, and county offices this week. Today is the final day of the filing period. And the state attorney general has decided to not bring charges against a group of anti-vaccine mandate protesters who shut down an executive council meeting last fall. Joining us now to talk about all of that and more are NHPR's Josh Rogers and Dan Tui. Good morning to you both. Good morning, Rick. Good morning. It's June, uh, but, you know, we're, we're already talking about the midterms. Josh and Dan, you were both at the State House this week. Governor Sununu plans to file for re-election today. Dan, let's start with you. Who's challenging Sununu in September's primary? Sure. Uh, the governor has uh, four challengers as of right now. As you mentioned, the filing period closes at 5 p.m. today. Uh, we have the, the most prominent person is probably Karen Testerman, a conservative who's really been very critical of the governor's handling of COVID policy really has nothing good to say uh, when the governor, uh, regarding his executive uh, orders on on uh, COVID vaccines and so on and so forth. Uh, it'll be an interesting. The governor, uh, Sununu, is seeking his fourth term. Uh, it, it'll be a, a, a quick jaunt, if you will, to September. Yeah, and, and who are Sununu's Democratic challengers? Uh, State Senator uh, Tom Sherman is in the race. He's a doctor and a, uh, a Democrat from Rye. And we, we have some uh, tape of him uh, when he filed earlier this week, Rick. One week he's pro-choice, the next week he's bragging about how he's put in the first abortion ban in the, history, in the modern history of New Hampshire. That's hard to trust. But as a doc, you know, you don't go to a doctor you don't trust. That's just a fundamental. We are all patients, right? We are all patients. <laughs> and I, I want to ask you, you both about, uh, about Tom Sherman, about his history a little bit, but also, of course, the prospects going up against, a, well, who's been a very popular uh, multi-term governor. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's history to indicate it's tough. I mean, Governor Sunu's poll numbers are strong. He's run against a string of, of Democratic state senators now in the last three elections. His margins have grown. Uh, Tom Sherman's not terribly well-known. Um, Certainly, Governor Sununu's shifting stance on on, on abortion um, gives Democrats sort of ammunition that is more substantial for an argument they've made against the governor every election season. Um, you know, Tom Sherman's and all Democrats' hopes are somewhat tied to the, the national political mood. And, and in his case in particular, um, the ability to persuade national Democratic donors, the Democratic Governors Association, um, folks like that, that it's worthwhile spending money here, um, you know, could say a lot about his fate. Right. Yeah. And there are many Republican challengers hoping to run against Democratic incumbents in Congress, Josh. What does the messaging from candidates look like as you know, the Republican Party continues to find its his identity post-Trump. Well, it, it, it's in some ways it's quite consistent, but it's also all, all over the place. Uh, a lot of a lot of talk focused on pocketbook issues now, inflation, uh, baby formula shortages. Certainly, plenty of invocations of of President Biden and what Republicans see as Biden and the Democratic uh, led uh, Congress's failures. Uh, and you know, there's things like. Conventional talk about sliding towards socialism, you know, parental rights as a topic has come up from candidates at every level. And pretty much every Republican is also invoking border policy and talking about the need to, to sort of get tougher on the border. Why don't we listen to uh, Senate candidate Kevin Smith? People are upset, number one, about the number of illegal migrants that are unaccounted for in the country. But they're upset, too, about the number of drugs that are flowing across the border. 
And that again, uh, Josh, speaks to the you know the kind of the nationalization of, of the topics we're going to be hearing about. Well, and, and and this and you know border policies also uh, you know affected Democrats. Obviously, you have uh, Senator Maggie Hassan and Chris Pappas's support for the continuation of Title Forty Two, which is uh, kind of a pandemic policy that allows uh, migrants uh, fewer opportunities for for asylum. Uh, you know that's angered a lot of activists within the Democratic Party. I mean, when Maggie Hassan files today. Uh, there are going to be protesters there on that issue. So immigration is sort of playing out in both primaries in interesting ways, and we'll see, you know, whether that persists. Mm-hmm. Incumbent Democrats uh, Andy Custer and Chris Pappas have have filed for re-election. Senator Maggie Hassan is, as you said, planning to file today. Dan, these are going to be crowded races. How are they shaping up? They are indeed shaping up. I mean, the U.S. Senate uh, GOP GOP primary has eleven candidates, I believe, at this point. There may be one or two more in there for the Republican primary. Uh, in the first district, there are nine candidates, and the second district has, uh, I believe, five or six. Again, we'll have one or two more names in there, but uh, it's going to be uh, quite a crowded field. And you know, three months of campaigning to the primary, trying to get name ID is going to be very, very challenging. And and you look at the range of people. I mean, in the Senate primary, you have you know Chuck Morris is arguably the best known people, best known to people who follow politics. Senate president, you know, not lightning in a bottle out there in public. Um, you have, uh, you know, Bruce Fenton, Bitcoin investor who's willing to, you know, spend a lot of his own money, apparently. Um, you know, Vikram Mancharmani got in the race uh, yesterday, sort of a kind of a TED talking sort of academic forecaster type with sort of limited ties to New Hampshire. I actually showed up to the state house driving a, a you know, a semi truck that he was on the board of a of an, interna- of an international trucking company and um, decided to drive, got a license. And he said this is reflective of the approach he would take to uh, Congress. You know, no one knows who a lot of these people are. And, you know, it's, it's quite possible it'll stay that way. And, you know, it, meanwhile, it's a tough situation for Democrats. But, you know, Maggie Hassan's already booked millions and millions of dollars worth of spending for the fall, um, has won elections before, um, you know, but we, it, one thing that I'm looking for is that it, it does something, is something coherent said about the future of the Republican Party come out of these elections. I mean, obviously you have Governor Sununu running, the sort of topping the ticket for Republicans. You know, he's developed sort of a, a, a strong sort of idiosyncratic political uh, brand. A lot of these folks are conservative, but in Keen Mayor George Hansel, who's running in the second CD, and who's been endorsed by Governor Sununu, you have somebody who's avowedly pro-choice. I mean, if he gets through that primary, he faces Bob Burns, who's kind of running on a more Trumpist uh, message. You know, he would give Annie Custer a different sort of challenger than she's faced. Uh, yeah. You know, certainly, and, and somebody somebody who claimed to be moderate, which hasn't really run in that district since Charlie Bass left yeah. the scene. Several flavors uh, of the GOP, Many. yeah. But, but, but Josh, I mean... Uh, you know, I think the general consensus is it's going to be a tough year for Democrats, isn't it? Well, I mean, certainly that's what history would indicate, the sort of out year of a new president, sure. uh, control of Congress. And, you know, there's no good news for Democrats in polls. I mean, the, the you know, they have uh, they have more experienced candidates on the ballot in Pappas, Custer and Hassan than, than Republicans uh, are running. And a lot of these Republicans aren't known. Democrats will have resources. It's a long way to November. But, you know, Republicans are right to see this as an opportunity. And a lot of these folks, that's one reason these primaries are so big among, on the Republican side. Uh, they think, I get through the primary, like, I'm going to get elected. We'll yeah. see if that's the case. There's opportunity here. Yeah. Dan, anything else you'd like to add about, about these races on the state or local level? 
Yeah, sure. This is going to be a very, very expensive midterm election. Uh, that's not even uh, counting on the outside money that may or may not pour into New Hampshire. Um, as Josh mentioned, you know, Senator Hassan has spent, she's already spent more than $15 million, Rick. Uh, so that gives, gives you an idea of like what's at play here. On a state level, um, there's a lot of down-ballot races that are, are very critical to uh, the operation and success of New Hampshire, like New Hampshire's executive council. Uh, all five members of the current council have filed for re-election. Uh, Republicans have a four-to-one majority there. Um, but it was interesting to note that Democrats yesterday came out with a slate of candidates to file for all five of those seats. Uh, Cindy Warmington, of course, was a lone Democrat filed for re-election. And there were a couple of big names um, locally, if you will. Uh, Summers Earth Mayor Dana Hilliard uh, filed a run for the first district, which is the northern half of New Hampshire, which mm-hmm. is a very large district currently represented by Joe Kenny. And these districts do have changed under the new maps that have been passed. So they're a little they're, mm-hmm. they're a little different in some in some cases a lot different. Yeah. And you know uh, state senator Kevin Kavanaugh is running for executive council. Uh Nashua Alderman Alderwoman uh, Shoshana Kelly is in the race as well. So a couple of different little strategy changes there for Democrats trying to uh, chip away at that four to one majority, Rick. And we'll be uh, watching them, of course, and, and reporting them as we go. It's Morning Edition on NHPR. We're recapping this week's news with NHPR's Dan Tui and Josh Rogers. I want to turn our attention now to something else that happened this week. The New Hampshire Attorney General saying he will not bring criminal charges against a group protesting COVID vaccine mandates. Those protesters disrupted an executive council meeting last September. Josh, can you remind us briefly what happened? Well, there was uh, millions of dollars worth of vaccine contracts on the council agenda, um, anti-vaccine protesters were of the mind that accepting that money could put New Hampshire on the path of, of enforcing federal vaccine uh, policies. Uh, the council meeting was held outside of the state house. It was on the road at, at St. Anselm College. Uh, before the meeting got underway, protesters outside the building and then inside the building yelled and chanted and, uh, you know, said, shut it down. Uh, we know where you live. Uh, this you know, scared uh, some state employees who left. There was they decided to postpone the meeting. There was law enforcement there. They they largely stood down. Why don't we take a listen of what, about what some of this sounded like? The oh, I know where you live. I know where you live. Oh, see what more? Oh, see what more is about to break out. You heard it. See what is going to happen. Okay, so the AG's office did investigate this incident. Um, Dan, what did they find? Uh, investigators did find that there was a, a possible obstruction of justice and disorderly conduct, but not the probable cause to really bring forward these charges, Rick, uh, which is interesting because um, this may not be the first time a, a municipal meeting or a legislative meeting or executive meeting is interrupted by protesters. We know it won't be. Uh, for the First Amendment issues are very important, of course, in here in New Hampshire. But uh, we'll be... Interesting to see how this plays out uh, in the long term. But there's yeah. There, what's the line between protesting and obstruction or threatening? Exactly, uh, exactly. And this is not the first time this year the AG's office has said that they have enough evidence to prosecute someone in a high-profile case, but said they would not bring charges because they don't think they can win in court. Um, What other cases are there, John? Well, there was the case involving a a Winchester policeman in a a, um, witness tampering case. Uh, Prison guards uh, recently who were... Uh, accused of being uh, too aggressive, uh, that was it was all this almost boilerplate language that has been issued by Attorney General Formello, which is, you know, a defense is available to. Uh, we have evidence for probable cause. We believe defense is available to uh, to the accused, uh, and um, 
you know, facts may make it difficult for us to prove this beyond a reasonable doubt. Obviously, those sorts of decisions are ones that prosecutors weigh, you know, in every case. Can mm-hmm. we make this case? Um, and, you know, you could argue in the scheme of things, restraint is better uh, than the than the opposite when it comes to uh, prosecutions. Mm-hmm. But in this case, in terms of the conduct at the uh, at the council meeting, I mean, this was people saw this on TV. You mm-hmm. could hear what was said there. Uh you know, disorderly conduct or inter or um, obstruction of government function. I mean, that you know, you, certainly you, you someone can, you shouting at you. You, that... you can claim that you saw that yeah. for yourself, and so this is a, a little different. And you know, we'll see what the implications mm-hmm. of this are going forward. You know, there are facts that we don't know. We don't know exactly uh, what the attorney general knows about this. There right. are still cases against some of these same defendants from behavior or subsequent meeting. We'll see where those go. Mm-hmm. And we'll also see how authorities choose to respond to, you know, acts of civil disobedience in the future. I mean, this was certainly an interesting decision that, like, I curiously would like to know more about from, yeah. from the AG's office. Absolutely. We'll, we'll be watching and reporting on it, of course, as always. NHPR's Josh Rogers and Dan Tui, thank you both so much. You're welcome. Thank you. And thank you uh, for listening this morning. You can find more of their work, by the way, at NHPR.org. I'm Rick Ganley. This is Morning Edition on NHPR.